there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. My name is John Boccasino, of course, duh, being joined by my colleague Jamie D'Amico, of course, duh. You guys know the drill by now, right, Jamie? <laughs> uh, I sure do. It always starts with, hey there, Bills fans. I like the sign on, buddy. And you know what's funny? I actually do get asked this sporadically. It is not a recorded bit. Everything that I, and there's no script it's just off the cuff, the Bacchusinator spitting some hot fire at Bills fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to laugh on a Sunday morning. <laughs> right. And it's good to be back talking Buffalo Bills football. I know we uh, had some fun breaking down the stadium talk uh, last week. I do want to real quickly mention, um, Jamie, let's just let's just address the, uh, the, the non-elephant in the room. I don't think... Um, there was one of our, and we appreciated the uh, interaction on Twitter, but there was a uh, a podcast listener who was saying that the um, this may be the beginning of the end for the Bills in Western New York um, with the stadium in Orchard Park. And I, I know you had a reaction on Twitter. I had a visceral reaction that I haven't shared yet on Twitter, but I thought that was kind of uh, hyperbole, shall we say. Well, I didn't really have a reaction so much as I just wanted to know why they felt that way. All, all Bills-related opinions are viable unless they're totally stupid, like, say, trading Josh Allen or something like that. Well, I think what our, um, our, our Twitter user was trying to say, I mean, his exact quote was, you know, it's the economy stupid, talking about the Western New York market can't afford this proposal for a $2 billion construction. Well, first of all, it's not like the taxpayers are going to have to come up with all Two billion. I don't think that the. I mean, I, I imagine the Pagulas will shoulder quite a large chunk of the price tag of whatever the new stadium happens to cost. But when you look at the cost of doing business and having pro football teams and only thirty-two total cities in the country are blessed enough to have one of them, two billion would be at the very low end of the price tag uh, for one of these stadiums. It's true, and yeah, they. They may have something to that, that, you know, the area can't support a $2 billion facility, but it all depends on how much the Pagulas are, are going to be splurging for. If they're paying for three quarters of it, I don't think it'll be a problem. If they're barely paying anything, yeah, that could be an issue. Yeah, I'd have to believe that, um, and this is based on no inside information other than just reading what I've read on the interwebs, that series of interconnected tubes and tunnels. That happens to permeate our laptops. We're full of full of satire and fun comments this morning. Um, I've had plenty of coffee and, and fired up for our conversation. Yeah, and I've I, never heard to... you speak this fast before. <laughs> I know I'm a little little worked up here, but I, I feel like I don't know. We we talked about this last week, but I don't think this is the end of days. I don't think this is. And comparing it to the AFL days, you know the the Buffalo Bills are not. You know, this this proposal is not going to torpedo the franchise. They're going to have a plan in place, I guarantee you, to pay for the stadium. The Pagulas will shoulder a large load of that price tag. And, you know, I don't even think we're going to get to the PSLs. I mean, maybe you do for the high-end suites and, you know, like the 50-yard line seats, but you're not going to see that across the board because the market won't bear it out. It's just 
the reality of it. A, a consultant that is not working on this project, but does work with personal seat licenses, did go on record as saying that the bills will not price their audience out of the market because it's just not a smart financial decision. And that is going to go into the equation for how much they can spend on the stadium. So it's, you know, when you're doing business on this level, they they do think about everything and it all gets pulled into the equation because if you're spending that kind of money, you want to make sure that your uh, T's are crossed, I's dotted and all the rest of the cliches are thought of. And, and, you know, regardless of, um, again, the, the price tag, the, what the stadium ends up coming down to, you know, the, the bills have proven themselves to be like Jamie just said, um, the I dotters and the T crossers, and they'll have everything worked out to a T when it comes to this new stadium proposal. So I wouldn't worry too much uh, out there, Jim on Twitter about this being the beginning of the end for the Bills in Western New York. We actually encourage this type of interactions with our listeners. So please continue to engage with our articles and our podcasts. We like the back and forth banter. If Jim is right, I'm going to buy him two dozen wings. But those better be like gold crusted wings to make up for the fact <laughs> that we're losing our franchise. <laughs> I'm just going to reward him for being correct. Nostradamus strikes on Twitter again. So that's kind of a a nonsensical way of of working into, again, get involved with our podcast. We love to hear from our listeners. We feel like this week's topic is one of those, it comes about because of the dog days of summer. Uh, We're still a month away from training camp starting, but there's been some stories out there about the Buffalo Bills and where they rank as far as, in this vague term, most complete teams in the National Football League. And we all agree the Bills, top to bottom, have an incredibly competitive roster. There's really no holes that we can see as of right now, the end of June, on this roster. The Bills are the fifth most complete team in the NFL, which bodes well both for success this year and moving forward. But one of those areas, Jamie, that the Bills could legitimately improve themselves is at CB2, or so the school of thought goes when you look at Levi Wallace, and it seems like every year it's a rite of passage for Bills fans to erase Levi from the roster and bring in some other magical veteran to slot in at CB2. Um, I know we gave our thoughts on Levi during our state of the cornerbacks position. Before we dive into should Buffalo bring in a veteran to replace Levi, give us your elevator speech on Levi Wallace and what you like and don't like about him. Levi Wallace is a solid starter in the NFL, but he is not a good player in the NFL. He's going to be right around average. He's a guy who can make tackles on running plays. He plays his zone well, Um, but what he lacks is physicality, size, and ball skills. And you see that when he's going up against larger receivers, he definitely struggles. Um, he's not a guy who can high point the ball and, you know, fight a receiver for it. And by the way, when I say high point the ball, we're not talking about the ball being at its highest point. Physics dictate that isn't possible. Anyway, um, we're talking about the apex of his leap. Well, well, yeah. What are you mean? What what are you referring to when you say the high ball point? And that's, it's good to clarify because that's a term that people hear bantied about quite a bit when it comes to football terminology. Okay. When you talk about high pointing a ball, it's when you jump to catch a football, you are 
catching the ball at the apex of your leap, meaning you can't get any higher than you are at that very moment. And it's about timing. So he's not somebody who times his leaps to go up and catch that ball particularly well. Does that make sense? That does. That was a good clarifier. And I I just feel for the listeners, it's nice to, we are a fan podcast and we want to speak in, in language that our fans can understand. And your clarifier was, was spot on. You definitely reached the apex of uh, explaining that terminology to our (laughs) audience out there. (laughs) Well, thank you, buddy. Um, But yeah, that's, that's my take on Levi Wallace. Uh, Altogether, he's, he's a solid starter. He's not a good starter. Run support is good, plays the zone well, not great in man coverage or ball skills. I would agree. So here's the thing with Levi Wallace. He was a phenomenal success story as an undrafted rookie free agent out of the football factory known as Alabama. He had a tremendous debut in the NFL, especially in 2018 when he was above average. He was ranked in the top 10 for cornerback play uh, in 2018. His play regressed last year, at least in the opening month. We all recall when Fitzy went and just absolutely attacked him, no matter who he was lined up against in that week two game. Uh, Levi was tormented. He was victimized and he did not respond very well. But I think Levi did have a better than you'd expect second half of the season. He is what he is at this point of his career. He's never going to give you the Trey White you know, the Jalen Ramsey lockdown corner uh, play, but he's not going to kill you. I don't think either. I think he, especially in zone coverage, really can hold his own. He's definitely, even though he's listed at six feet, uh, he can be victimized in man schemes. I'm guessing that's more of like a five eleven and seven eighths where they round up to six versus actually being. Yeah, he also has kind of a smaller stature too. He's a thin guy. And that's something that people can take advantage of, uh, especially the more the bigger, more physical receivers, of course. Uh, remember the game when Jarvis Landry and the Cleveland Browns tormented him uh, back in the 2019 season. So Levi does not play his best against the bigger, more physical receivers. But I do think he is above average when you consider what the league has to offer at CB2 and knowing that he is a little bit above average in his play, but also that quarterbacks are going to shy away from going after Trey white and they're going to target the weaker of your two cornerbacks. It's essential to have somebody who can really step up and thrive in that role. And I think Levi showed something the second half of the 2020 season. I think that he definitely You know, he cut down on those bad breaks uh, in man coverage. I mean, he still had a couple of missteps and misreads, but he was much more consistent in the second half of the season. Knowing what Levi Wallace brings to the table, knowing that he's not the best with his movement skills, knowing that he can be pushed around by the bigger, more physical receivers. Is there somebody out there that is worth bringing in, especially now, knowing that Stefan Diggs, what he did for this team in restructuring his contract, that gives Buffalo, I think it's around 13 or $12.5 million under the cap for the team to play with. Would you use that money to go bring in a veteran? And if so, who's at the top of your list? Well, I kind of want to start by taking a look at what they have done previously when it comes to that position, which is every year they do bring in an EJ Gaines. Uh, a Josh Norman, a Kevin Smith type out there. Maybe not Kevin Johnson, a big name. 
uh, Kevin Johnson. I said Kevin Smith, didn't You're I? in a clerk's uh, state <laughs> of mind, I'm sure, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so it, it seems that something McDermott really enjoys having on the roster is that veteran player. Now you have to wonder, at this point in his career, is Levi Wallace that veteran? Well, one of the reasons they've been bringing in those players is because they don't believe Levi Wallace is necessarily the answer, but he always breaks through. But there's a reason they want to bring other players in, which is because they're not 100% sold. And the other thing is you also can never have enough corners in the NFL. If, if you are shallow at that position and injuries start happening, buddy, you are in trouble. What would happen if Trey White missed a good portion of the season and Levi Wallace became your number one? That doesn't sound good, does Not it? Not when you've got Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady on the count on the schedule this year. Not when you've got the rise in in quarterback play around the league. I mean, you know, there's there's so many that the league is is not this is not breaking news. The league is an aerial focused offense, and you need to have those corners. So if Trey White goes down, my gosh, I mean, the Bills would be in a, a heck of a predicament with Levi being the number one and shifting everybody up, having Dane Jackson see more number two roles or having Cam Lewis see more number two snaps out there. I mean, this would be, that would be a pretty catastrophic blow for the defense. No doubt about it. Right. That would be your top three corners would then be a seventh rounder and two undrafted free agents. Now it's not to say that they're not, they, they're not good players. They can't be good players, but there's a reason typically players slide and oftentimes it's because they're lacking the uh, the physical prowess, the the athleticism of some of the players taken higher. Either that, or they're lacking experience and you know skills in general. But these are very experienced players. So, what am I telling you? That yes, the Bills need to address the position and bring in more competition. And I would like to see somebody who has had some some success in the past, particularly in a zone scheme, but in particular, somebody who offers the versatility to play more man-to-man. Because if you can disguise your defenses a little bit more by switching back and forth between man and zone, it gives the defense an advantage. There is definitely a lot to be said for planning for a rainy day. And you, you're right. You cannot have enough outstanding corners in this league and on your roster, especially when you're factoring in the gauntlet that Buffalo is going to have to face to get back and, 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 and to throw in the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they are the biggest rival in Buffalo's path. And we all know what Patrick Mahomes can do. And it's not like... Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill or any of their phenomenal weapons have gone anywhere. I mean, they reloaded just like the Bills did. And that's why I really feel the Bills should use that $12 million, whatever they can allocate from it for this year to go after a veteran cornerback to to come in. And it worse comes to worse. Let's say the and we'll we'll go through some of the names that are the best options out there, but Worst case scenario, you bring in another solid dude who's an insurance policy, like you said, in case, God forbid, something happens to Trey White or Levi Wallace or Dane Jackson or any of these corners. The last thing you want to do is be facing the Chiefs 
with practice squad dudes lining up at cornerback and the Bills get torched because they just can't keep up. That sounds awful. Doesn't it's it? it's really the doomsday scenario for this Buffalo Bills team. And, you know, look, as solid as the Bills are at safety, this is a major sneaky area of concern, the cornerback too. Now, I want to go into some of the names out there that at this moment are still available that Buffalo could sign. Now, the price tag is going to be interesting for both of these two guys. I'm going to start with the one who's the most expensive, but also brings the biggest name recognition, but also is on kind of the downside of his career. It's Richard Sherman. He's 33 years old. He's that tall, physical corner that you want, 6'3", a buck 95. Spot track has his market value as a free agent of roughly $9.9 million per year. So the Bills would have enough, theoretically, if they could work with this contract to bring him in and fill the role at CB2. Jamie D'Amico, you're Brandon Bean. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, I want to find out if he's willing to take a pay cut in order to come play for a Super Bowl contending team on the East Coast. Now, mind you, he went to college at Stanford. He played in Seattle. He played in San Francisco. This is a West Coast guy through and through. I'm not sure he wants to come East. So I'm going to find out how badly he wants that Super Bowl. And then that's where we're going to build it from. Is he a guy who can excel in man coverage like we mentioned before? No, that is not really what he does. He's very physical. He is a press corner at the line, and then he drops into the zone. Um, is he a guy I would like to see in a Bills Uni? Yeah, I really would. You know, we saw last year when Stefan Diggs came, he brought an attitude to the team that they lacked beforehand. And that's the kind of thing I think Richard Sherman would bring. He is a good locker room guy, but also he brings it emotionally. And that's, you know, the sort of the sort of veteran leadership that I know Sean McDermott likes. I think that Richard Sherman, if for and, and I, I have to say, I I get what you're coming from with the West Coast argument given the fact that he's only played with Seattle and San Francisco and Stanford for his college ball, I think he'd be willing to dismiss that and come East because here's a quote that he was mentioning when talking about where he wants to go in free agency quote, I want to get to a team that's competing for a championship right away. That's what I'm focused on and waiting for that right opportunity. Buffalo is exactly that right opportunity. They have a pressing need for corner. Sean McDermott likes to take a chance on veterans who have a chip on their shoulder. We all thought that Josh Norman could potentially be that veteran with a chip on his shoulder who came into Buffalo and proved that he still had something left in the tank. He did not. But I would argue that Sherman has a lot more in the tank than Norman did at each of their respective stages of their careers, given the fact that Norman had been yes. lost in Washington the years before he came over to Buffalo. He was terrible. I mean, he was an albatross for that defense. You'd be better off having nobody out there than you would Josh Norman, given what he brought to that defense. I don't think Richard Sherman is as far downhill as people might think he is for being 33. And, you know, here's the other thing, too. Richard Sherman, yes, he's not the best in man-to-man coverage. 
but I dare you to find a smarter, headier, more intelligent cornerback out there. I guarantee you he could find a way to still get the upper hand in a lot of those matchups based off of his intellect. And he's working his tail off to make sure that he's still uh, in football ready shape to take over uh, as a CB two for a team that's contending for a championship. I think Richard Sherman could be a really good fit for this bill's defense, especially given the veteran characters that they have at one bill's drive. I agree with you, but he's not my number one choice. Is he yours? You know, he's not my number one choice, but he's right at the very top. It's a short list, Jamie. I mean, there's really not a lot of corners at this stage of, of their careers who could step in and make the impact. The guy that I think Buffalo should go after, I'm guessing it's the same one as yours. Does he happen to have formerly called um, an AFC North team uh, his home? He sure does. Right down the road, man. Tell us about Steven Nelson and why you think he'd be a great fit for the Bills. Wait, what? Oh, That's wow. not what I was talking about. You have a different guy. I like this. Who's, who's your number one then? Daryl Worley. Whoa. Okay. All right. See, I expected you to say one thing, and then I put the card out there before the horse. I'll make my argument for Steven Nelson. Tell me why Daryl Worley. Uh, you know, he seems to be the kind of guy who, well, now he played, um, I'm sorry, he, Daryl Worley played for, um, for Arizona, the Cardinals last year. Um, and the reason I, I like this guy is I, I like his size and I like he, his ability to play zone. He reminds me of an EJ Gaines type of player, somebody who is always near the ball, makes good plays, not flashy. I, I think that it's, I, I think that he's very much uh, the type of veteran that you can rely on. That's again, not going to make your splash plays, but is going to be really solid out there. And you're just never going to have to worry about him. See, uh, here's where I have to take a little argument with, uh, with, with Worley. I think that the bills, yes, they've shown interest in him before he did play some snaps, uh, with the team last year, 15 snaps in that loss to the Cardinals. But then the Raiders claimed him off the practice squad. And he's somebody that could maybe shore up the back end of the secondary. But I'm talking about an impact signing who, if you you mentioned Trey going down, Daryl Worley doesn't give me the confidence that he's going to step up and replicate. No one's going to replicate Trey's productivity. But I feel of all the guys who are out there, Steven Nelson is the one who could come closest to preventing a pure catastrophe when it comes a lot of qualifiers, but when it comes to the bill secondary, and I know Nelson is not the tallest corner. I have him listed at five eleven, So he's a hair under Levi Wallace. He's almost 200 pounds. He's only 28 years old. He's been a very solid corner for the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, during the bulk of his career. I think the price tag would be right for him. If you look at what he brought in, according to spot track, his most recent contract, he had a, uh, a dead cap hit of 6.17 million. He had a signing bonus of 2.5 million and he's coming off a contract for three years, $25.5 million. If I'm going to pony up the money that Richard Sherman is looking for, or maybe a hair less if I'm Brandon Bean wanting to save some pennies on that salary cap space. Steven Nelson to me checks off all the boxes of who I would want to be my CB2. He just, I don't know, there's something about this kid. He always seems to be in the right place at the right time. 
where he needs to be. He's got a good nose for the ball. He jumps extremely well for being five foot 11. I think he could hold his own against some more physical wide receivers out there. And if you ask me who I think in a dire situation, the Bills should bring in to fill that CB2 role. I think Steven Nelson is a huge upgrade over Levi Wallace. He definitely would be. I, I guess what I was taking into account was maybe the finances of it. Uh, because the uh, the one who I think I might even want more than Daryl Worley is uh, Gary and Conley. Um, a former but- first round pick, which would fit the pedigree of the Kevin Johnson signing of, you know, Brandon Bean scooping up former first rounders. Who- right, right. And he's coming off a year on injured reserve. So I, I think his price would be low. But yeah, if you're looking for a a, a player who has really walked the walk, I, I think Steven Nelson is the way to go. Um, you know, if we're taking finances out of out of that situation, um, I yeah, I would say I'm with you. He's the best corner that's still out there. And, and there's something to be said too, uh, Jamie. For like, look, I mean, I know he didn't want to be in Pittsburgh anymore. There's something going on in that Pittsburgh locker room. There's the once proud franchise. There seems to be rumblings of a toxic culture going on in Pittsburgh, which is the polar opposite of Buffalo. And I like the fact that Nelson, it's a new age in Buffalo. People are not hiding their interest in coming to the bills. He had liked several tweets uh, that were potentially mentioning him coming to Buffalo. Uh, He's definitely a fan of what the Buffalo bills are putting together. And I just feel like this is a guy who you would, you might be paying a little more than you want to, but you're going to be getting his peak career years under this contract versus a Richard Sherman who you're hoping he finds a way to use that chip on his shoulder and parlay that into a really successful year or two. I think Nelson, you don't have to worry about that whatsoever because he is just, again, young and in the prime of his career. And the other thing you're going to get with him is something that I have been concerned about with the Buffalo Bills back end, which is athleticism. I'm not saying that the Bills secondary has bad athletes, but when you watch them against teams like Kansas City, you look at the speed KC puts on the field and you say, geez, do the Bills have anybody who can run with these guys? Well, Richard Sherman is definitely not somebody who can run with a Tyreek Hill. I mean, nobody can, let's be honest. But I I like a younger, more athletic player in that position better than I like a Richard Sur- Sherman. Steven Nelson is that. He definitely is, and he's been remarkably consistent. He had one year with the Chiefs where he battled some injuries, only appeared in nine games. Other than that, he's never seen fewer than 12 games of action in his six years in the league, including starting the last 46 games uh, for Kansas City and Pittsburgh over the last three years. To me, I think he is a slam dunk, no-brainer for a CB2 upgrade. It all depends on what the math comes down to and the contract figures, given the fact that Buffalo is going to have a hair under 13 million to play with. If they can work out a, a, a deal with Nelson where his salary cap space is eight, nine, 10 mil per year um, for a two or three year deal. Um, I'm not sure he would take that, but that seems to be what the market is bearing out. According to spot track, I would sign up for that eight days a week. The other thing you may be looking at with these veterans is they may be putting off signing with a team just so they can miss some training camp because training camp is not something that the players enjoy. Remember Lawrence Taylor? 
Remember that guy back in the day used to hold out every year until halfway through training camp? It was just because he didn't feel like doing it. <laughs> I, I don't blame him. I mean, the dog days of summer, you're busting your hump out there with a chance to get hurt potentially. And and these aren't games that really count on the uh, – they, they don't count for anything other than continuity and getting your team ready for the season. I could totally see a player sitting out and abstaining until after training camp uh, has started and then making their move. Um, and, and a veteran like Nelson would be able to step in pretty easily, I feel like, uh, regardless of whenever the Bills were able to – to sign him. I do want to go to Gary and Conley. You mentioned his name, the former uh, Houston Texan. He's only 25 years old. Again, he's six feet tall, a buck 90. His career has been with two different teams, the Raiders who drafted him in 2017. And then he split last year, uh, 2019 rather with Houston and Oakland. He was injured for a lot. Uh, in fact, all of the 2020 season, I think Conley Jamie could be interesting given the fact of what Buffalo is looking for out of this potential CB2 and wanting to find somebody who really could step in and, uh, and, and, and play that role. I think Conley could be one of those low risk, potentially high reward guys, especially when you consider he's been pretty durable outside of the 2020 season. He's made a big impact and he's pretty athletic when it comes to his cover skills. He is. And also I was looking at his 40 time 4.44. That's really getting into the range of the athleticism that I was talking about before. Um, you know, Conley is the kind of guy that you roll the dice on and, you know, you give him an incentive laden contract to see if he can stay on the field. At this point, they can bring him in for physical to take a look at him up close. Eh, that seems to make sense to at least bring him in for a conversation, doesn't it? It really, it really does. I mean, you're not doing yourselves a disservice um, by bringing in somebody like a Garrick, a Gary and Conley, who's only 26 years old to see if he might be able to compete. I would much rather the bills take a chance on Nelson or Conley than roll the dice on a Sherman um, Buster Scrine is out there. Josh Norman again is out there. DJ Hayden is going to be 32 years old. Um, he's out there as a corner, but there's really, it's kind of slim pickings right now at this stage of the uh, free agency period for quarterbacks. Well, that's what's going to happen when you get to you know early summer. Most most players have signed at this point, so you have to ask yourself: Is there a reason these players have not been signed by anybody yet? I think Conley's might be solely the injury move. Um, sure, wanting to see how healthy he is after again being on IR for last year. I think Sherman's probably a price tag issue. I'm sure Nelson's waiting for the right fit and it might be a price tag issue with him too, but sure. I mean, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm seeing if I'm reading the tea leaves. What about you? Uh, I'm, I'm seeing the same thing. Um, I, I'm sure that it's going to be either health or contract demands, or they just want to wait a little longer because they don't want to go through the entire training camp. And if I'm Richard Sherman, that's exactly what I'm doing. I know how to stay in shape. I know how to learn a system yeah, I I don't need to be there from the opening kickoff uh, in the first practice of training camp. I can show up a couple weeks later, save my body, not go through the you know the rigors of it, and be happier in the in the long run. <laughs> Especially being Sherman at thirty three years old and wanting to preserve that body for the meaningful snaps. I can totally understand that. But it seems like, Jamie, if I'm reading the room here, we are both in favor of Buffalo at least dipping its toes in the waters and seeing what could come from contract talks 
with Steven Nelson, uh, with Richard Sherman, and with your boy, uh, Daryl Worley, uh, who played with the Bills briefly last year and uh, uh, could easily be had on the cheap. And Garyon Conley is another one of those low-cost, high-reward type moves that Buffalo could explore. Because you're right, the insurance policy, the Bills need to make sure they've got something in place if anything happens to Trey White. And it doesn't hurt to bring in more competition at cornerback to push Levi. It's the annual ritual. Until Levi establishes himself as an all-pro corner, the Bills are doing their due diligence in checking out what options are out there. An emphatic yes, get more players in there. Competition is never a bad thing. And we try to compete with ourselves here on Believe to give you the best Bills takes that we can week in and week out. We want to hear from you. Be like Jim on Twitter. Give us your feedback on CB2. Who do you like of the names we've brought out there? Is there a dark horse that we haven't even thought of that's out there that we should be talking about, like a, a Brian Poole or a Michael Davis? Is there somebody that we have not yet commented on maybe bring back Nickel Roby Coleman uh, to come back. And, and I, I don't want that move, but maybe you can advocate for that on, on Twitter with us. Give us your feedback for believe Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico and I am at John Boccasino. You can also get involved with our articles on Buffalo rumblings.com. Jamie, thanks for your uh, opinions and some spirited debate today, buddy. I am here for you. Living for Believe. We'll, of course, be back with more Buffalo Bills talk here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast.